through that what he has for us on this it was it's been very very informative so revelation chapter 3 uh we'll start reading in verse 1 and the bible said and unto the angel of the church in sardis write these things saith he that hath the seven spirits of god and the seven stars he says i know thy works that thou hast a name that thou livest and art dead be watchful strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die for I have not found thy works perfect before God. Remember therefore how thou hast received and heard, and hold fast and repent. If therefore thou shalt not watch, I will come on thee as a thief, and thou shalt not know what hour I will come upon thee. Thou hast a few names even in Sardis, which have not defiled their garments, and they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. He that overcometh, the same shall be clothed in white raiment, and I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. This one's a pretty serious letter. He starts off right at the front in verse 1. You see that last phrase. He tells them, I know thy works. Thou hast a name that thou livest and art dead. I mean, he starts right off. I'm, sp I'm writing this letter to a dead church. Yeah, well, yeah. It says it right what it is. I'm writing this letter and you're a dead church. And uh, even he talks about, he goes, I know thy works and thou hast a name that thou livest. We spent some time on that several weeks ago and I said, they got a good reputation got a great reputation in the community. Their ministry programs are, are active, um, but they're living off that reputation still today. Um, we talked about uh, the speed of light several weeks ago, and, we, and I mentioned uh, one of the brightest stars in our sky, let's hear Sirius, that the light from that star takes nine years to travel all the way to Earth. So the light, if you looked up, well, probably not last night, but if you looked up and saw the light from that star, you're seeing light emitted from 2014. That's kind of, you know, when you think about it, I mean, there's time travel in and of itself. You're seeing light that occurred nine years ago. That star could be totally burned out, fizzled out, nothing more. But for nine years, you're going to see that light coming if it died today. It's kind of like this church. It's dead. There's still some light shining. They have a reputation in the community. They have a testimony. So there's still a visible light. But eventually, what happens with the reputation, it kind of catches up to you. And eventually, people see you for what you are. In this case, them being dead. I talked, uh, we talked about churches that were closing. Uh, one study uh, from 2022 had some 7,800 churches closed in 2022. That's over 150 per week. 
lights being extinguished in the community. And why are these churches closing at such a rate? I mean, that's, that's a big topic right there. I mean, that, that could take time, but they're closing because there's no more light. The church is a building. There's people within these buildings. When I say 7,800 churches, there's people associated with each one of those churches that allowed through sin primarily, right? They allowed their light to just get extinguished. Or they never were a true church to begin with. Sardis, you'll see, uh, means remnant. Remnant. They have a reputation. As we go through the scriptures here today, you'll notice that there's still a remnant there. There's still some people there that are doing what they need to be doing. There's still some people there that are, they have the right motive behind their ministries. But it's just a remnant. It's a small remnant. The majority of the church, as Jesus says, is, is dead. I thought it was interesting. One writer described Sardis this way. He said, No city in Asia at that time showed such a melancholy contrast between past splendor and present decay as Sardis. He's saying the differences are, I mean, it's not just a little bit, right? It's night and day difference. Look at the past. We could talk about that church and look through journals and, you know, all this and talk about all the people that were saved and all the ministries and the outreach and everything that they've done, how they've built the church up. And then today, it's just, you can't even, you wouldn't even hardly recognize it for what it was back then. The contrast is, is vast. So as we start going through uh, the verses, we're going to see this, this contrast, this decay, this dead church. Verse 1 again says, And unto the angel of the church in Sardis write these things, saith he that have the seven spirits of God and seven stars. I know thy works, that thou hast a name that thou livest, and art dead. I mean, this is a severe censure on part of this church. Remember, these letters, real letters, given to real ministers who were going to go back and read these to real churches. And the first paragraph or the first sentence says, you're dead. And this, these are words from God. These are words from Christ. I, that would be a sh probably shocking moment. They should know, right? You think? You think you would recognize it if you were a part of a dead church like that? Maybe. Maybe not. Not so sure. I'm not so sure we would. Probably a lot of denial. Some denial going on, yeah. Yep. Don't look over it. Probably, you know, there's a remnant there. So there's some people that know. There's some people that know that they're, they're not where they need to be, but what are they doing about it? We'll talk about that later. The problem is there's people who intentionally do that. That. That under, underline that. 
No, I, I, th I think there's absolutely. Uh, Satan has a way of bringing people in to uh, what better place to embed people to try and bring down a church that had such a glorious past, that had such a name about it. And he said, you know what, I'm going to slip somebody in there and try to set a seed. And that's all it takes. And then if you don't address things, you end up at some point having that dead, that dead. So Sardis being this dead church. Um, Sardis was actually known for its large, we talked about this, necropolis. Um, Sardis, I guess from, from a distance, you could see these burial cemeteries from Sardis that were built on hills and they had all these monuments to the dead. Um, so ironically, the, the city itself was kind of known for having this deadness about it. Uh, I mentioned uh, the town of Colma, California. We talked about that and um, I'd never heard of this town and was doing a little research. The town in Colma has 1,500 living people in the town and 1.5 million people buried in the town. Uh, it's a long story about how San Francisco just at, at one point evicted all their dead people and they had to dig them up and put them in outskirts and that's where the town of Colma, California was, was built. If you look it up, it's, it's actually kind of an interesting story. But the whole industry in Colma, that's what they're known for. Death. Matter of fact, if you go to their website, their city website, their city motto is, it's great to be alive in Colma. I thought that, that, was, that was pretty interesting, I thought. So you have this town that, that even is kind of known for, for death. And there was this church that had an ongoing ministry and ongoing services. They were meeting when they should meet. They had all the ministries that they should have. They were meeting the needs of the community and the things that needed to be met with the poor and the hungry. But they're living on, on, on their reputation. So this church at one time had been alive, seeing people saved, baptized, discipled, and now there's just not. Maybe they're still seeing people saved and baptized and discipled, but they're not doing it in the Spirit of God, and it's all falling flat. It's all falling flat. They're doing all these things, but no fruit, no genuine fruit is coming from it. D.L. Moody said this. He goes, I'd rather say this one thing I do than say these 40 things I dabble with. That kind of stung me because I got about 40 projects at home that I never have completed, right? Guys, if... <clears throat> you're anything like me I mean I got a bathroom I've been trying to remodel for 15 years but you have this church and they got all this they're dabbling in all these areas but no no completeness to it no fruit from it it seemed Sardis was doing this dabbling instead of this doing had all these programs started in fanfare and and 
and probably meetings to plan, you know, how are we going to do this? How are we going to do it? Are we going to do it a certain way? And it was all for naught. It was just, it didn't have the right spirit to it to begin with. It kind of made me uh, think about uh, from Matthew 23, 27, 28, where Jesus says, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees. What do you call them? Hypocrites. Hypocrites. For ye are like unto white sepulchres, which indeed appear beautifully outward, but are within full of dead man's bones, and of all uncleanness. Even so, ye also outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within ye are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. That was Sardis. That when you drive down the road, you'd probably see the church at Sardis, and man, big beautiful church. Probably take care of the grounds and, you know, they did everything they needed to do to appear to be churchy. <coughs> yeah. I mean, it's like there were a few older people that you could tell came from a time when they were like a handful of true believers, but the rest of it was just appearance. And I served on those committees. Mm-hmm. And didn't recognize it until I was saved because I wasn't at that time. But you know, you just go through the motions and you serve the poor and you, you know, it's the, the works thing. And, yeah. But not, no spirit. You know, I think that's one of the tragedies and one of the, you know, especially in today's age. I mean, there's churches in Oklahoma. You know, Texas, you know, Bible Belt. Churches everywhere, right? You go out east. Uh, I talk often about being from South Carolina. There's a church on every block that's been there probably 200 years in some cases. But how many of them are alive? A lot of them's empty. A lot of them's empty. And the ones that aren't empty are occupied by just falseness. I, I was watching uh, my grandmother's church, Gum Branch Baptist Church. Been there, I mean, hundreds of years. And I was watching, they have online services, and I was watching this, and I'm just like, oh my goodness. How tragic. I mean, it just was, I, I mean, I don't know what they were doing there. Yeah. Well, and that's... Yeah, you start allowing society to dictate how we're going to run things within the church. But society has changed. Church used to be an important part of no, you're right. your life. You're right. Families went to church. Church was a lot of the activity that you did. I've talked even uh, about old newspaper articles from Central here in Ponca City that I've read. Uh, when uh, the church was on Hartford and they used to hold revivals and they would last two to three hours on a Sunday evening in the middle of the summer. They'd put a tent up and it was a community event for two to three hours. And I wonder if we tried that now, how many people would show up for two to three hours Monday through Friday? Yeah, or stay even that long. 
Yeah, right? Got to bring food. I can't go three hours without eating. It's obvious. I mean... Yeah. I see churches that made important, so a lot of churches don't have attendance either. If you don't have attendance, you can't... Well, I think out. church isn't... Um, it's made as a, just an opportunity for people to get together and socialize instead of being reverently holy a uh, place where you come to worship God. You know, you know how many people get mad because they can't take a mug of coffee in the sanctuary? I mean, I, I've heard that. I mean, it's like, really? Or, you know, I what was it? Several years ago, we had a lady want to bring a dog, a comfort animal, into the sanctuary, and we said no. Oh, that caused a lot of problems. I mean, it's a holy place where we have designated that place to be where we speak with God and where He speaks with us. But does your dog will? I mean, that was a it was a huge, huge deal, and I mean, we. <laughs> I just remember it, it went on for a couple of months. Um, I mean, it just it's. You can see where if you don't have the right leadership involved in one of in those circumstances, that oh, well, so we just we'll just let this one thing go, and then uh, well, after a while, it's okay to do this, and then it's okay to do that, and before you know it, you don't, you're not recognized as to what you used to be. Oh, I know, and and all the the young folks say we're just fuddy duddies, right? No, I think that's absolutely the case, especially nowadays. I think it's it's becoming worse. Years ago, it, was the it was the opposite. Yes, uh, you know, I, I remember stories of, of presidents seeking counsel from uh, yes, from godly men. You know, the the old Billy Graham. He'd go. He would go. Uh, council, how many presidents was he involved with over the years? And I'm not, you know, all about Billy Graham necessarily, but you know, in that regard, he was he was providing counsel to you know these men who needed counsel, and I don't think they even seek that anymore, right? Uh, it's just tragic. And the Bible was taught in school. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Uh, other churches probably looked upon. Uh, the Sardis church as being alive and attended. They probably envied the church in Sardis. Even as Jesus is telling the church it's dead, other churches there probably looked at them and said, now that church is something we strive to be like. Think about that. That church, that church, man, they're progressive. They got some new, fresh ideas about them. Really? I hear it. I'm sure you guys hear it too. You know, where do you go to church at? Central. That's a pretty, you know, conservative church, isn't it? It's biblical. Yeah. Hardcore Bible. Amen. <laughs> yeah. 
our neighbor, he, he's passing out. He asked me one day, he goes, Central, Central, is that the church that has an ATM in the lobby? <laughs> and I started, I said, an ATM in the lobby? He goes, yeah, I heard it's got an ATM in the lobby because they want you to give money every week. <laughs> and I went, seriously? You're not just saying? He goes, no, I've, I've heard that from several people. Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. I'm like, no, we don't have an ATM in the lobby. We need offering plates that are tapped to pay. Yes. No more microchip. I mean, it's, yeah, right? Scan ourselves. Have you guys heard stories like that, though? About so I've heard stories from people, they say they actually, I don't go there anymore because they actually expect you to participate there. Heard that one 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 time. They want you to volunteer and do stuff. So I don't go there anymore. But see, people are so busy, we don't have time for God anymore. That's the problem. The mother works, the dad works. Takes two sometimes. They don't think that like yeah. Kids don't have the instruction they need. So it's hard. I would even challenge that the Sardis church probably had correct doctrine. They had cor correct uh, beliefs. I would even say that was the case. You know, if you look in uh, verse 1 again, These things saith he, uh, I know thy worst, and thou hast a name that thou livest. You've done things proper. And if you go down further, he even says, uh, verse 4, Thou hast a few names, <laughs> like a, even in Sardis, <laughs> you know, which have not defiled the garments. There's people there doing the right thing, worshiping the right way. I would say if you looked at their belief statement, it was probably spot on. But the influences either of the community or something and it just died over time such a church cannot be convinced that it is dead and lifeless because of its bustling activity and that's where the denial come out. how can we be dead look at how many people we have coming every sunday hmm? look at why they're coming yeah impress somebody else yeah. How, we, we got people walking the aisle, praying at the altar, professing salvation. How can we be a dead church? Oh, and that's a good question because at what, at what number do you have believers and then maybe more unbelievers than believers that makes the church dead? I mean, I think it's always going to be. Yeah, I think it goes back to the spirit. Whether it's, I think you could have a majority true believers and a non-majority non, but the spirit just not be right. Leadership. I mean, we often uh, talk about that um, in meetings and so forth. It's, you know, we pray about the spirit of the church and we pray that it, it stays on the right path. You know, I, I noticed in the bulletin, and I don't know what the meeting's about, have no idea 
but I noticed pastor on January 7th would like to meet with everyone who heads up a ministry. I, I have no idea why he called that meeting, but you know, I kind of wonder, we're going into a new year, we're going into some new uh, ideas, we want to do some new things. We want to go into that with the right spirit. With the right spirit. It's not just about seeing people come every day or every Sunday. It's not about a numbers thing. Not a numbers thing. Um, I've seen the pictures, and those of you that uh, probably remember this, remember the churches when you'd go in, they had that plaque on the wall, how many numbers you had every week, last week. Yeah. What was the offering this week, last week? Yeah. <laughs> You don't see that here, right? Not about the numbers. It's about the spirit. What are we? What are we doing for God? Um, are we seeing people saved, and are we seeing them be discipled correctly? Verse two. He goes on. He says, "Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain." He's saying, you know what? There's some things there that people are doing, and they're good. They're right. They're being done for the right spirit. So what do you do? You, you're kind of in this church. You're not. Something seems wrong. Spirit doesn't feel right. He's saying, number one, watch, pay attention, pay attention. What what's going on around you? Are you seeing these other ministries going on? What's the spirit amongst it? People have joy when they talk about it, or is it just hassle? You know, we're having we're meeting yet again this this week to do this. You know, um, or are they doing each ministry because of love for each other, or love for the community, or love to see the lost saved? I think sometimes, and I appreciate Pastor on this. I think sometimes I I see out of churches too much attack on some of the sin that's out there, and I'm all for denouncing sin. But we don't need to spend time, you know, just lambasting, you know, people that are homosexual or, you know, they they know they're in sin or that are, are uh, uh, this whole transgender issue. We know it's sin, um, but we love the people, right? So we got to find a balance to do that. And I, I think... Um, you know, or you can very easily, to me, denounce it, but with the wrong spirit. With the wrong spirit. Uh, so what's the spirit? He's saying, watch out. Watch for those things that are going good, and then make them better. Keep doing those things. Keep doing the things that are working, that are doing right. And strengthen the things which remain, that are ready to die. If you don't strengthen them, they're around a bunch of dead ministries. It's going to end up a dead ministry too. So you got something that's working. Keep doing it. Keep doing it. He said, you know, watch. Um, what was wrong was the spirit of the people. The spirit was not focusing upon Jesus Christ and his cause. The church was doing the things it needed to do. It's the spirit of the people that were wrong and made it. A dying church. So, what were the people doing? Well, I mean, the people were sitting in services half asleep, allowing their thoughts to wander 
about instead of hungering for the Word of God being preached. You know, I, I sit here, you know, I read, I've, I've sat through services and nodded, you know. It, it, it humbles me to read this. Um, you, we got We should be in there in 30 minutes. I mean, we watch TV how long, many hours a day? I never fall asleep unless it's a NASCAR race. <laughs> but yet, something about sitting in service now, all of a sudden I'm sleepy. I see, you know, people just, I remember one service when Cindy and I hadn't been here very long. It was a couple months even. Was somebody used to sit in front of us. They're no longer, they no longer even come. But he was nodding. I was sitting behind him and I could tell because he was doing this thing. And Brother Lynn was preaching. And all of a sudden he's like, I'm looking out here and I'm seeing some of you asleep. How can you do that? I mean, just started going. I was like, "Woo, man, I like this church." But his head kind of popped up then at that point. I'm sure he was paying attention. But he was right, right? I'm up here. I'm preaching what God gave for me to give you, and you're sleeping. It's hard. It's hard. No, I'm with you. I've been there. And I'm with you. That's the time I remember. Yeah. No. I've been there. I've been there. I'm not, I'm not talking about the exceptions there. I've worked all nights and came in as well or been out all night. But, but there are those that do it every week. Or they're messing with the cell phone, checking football scores. I've seen you guys do it. I don't do that because anymore, anymore I don't do that. But I've seen guys do it, especially evening services because the games are still going on when we start. Uh huh. I've, I've noticed that. Or they, they color and they're sitting there marking up stuff or, you know. Something to keep the mind busy, right? He's preaching from God's Word. Keep the mind. Focus on that. I, I find for me, taking notes helps me. I, I kind of focus on what's being taught. and um, I can sit and take notes, and I use those throughout the week to kind of maybe go back to the passage and read it again and marinate on it, as I say. You know, be, use it as thought-provoking. But, but stay focused on on. Uh, the message and, and the services. And what were they doing also? They were holding and attending the activities for the sake of fellowships and because it was just the thing to do. Well, I've been coming here every Sunday morning and every Sunday night and every Wednesday night for 30 years. It's just what I do now. Have you lost the spirit of it? Can you do things so much that it becomes kind of routine and it's just bouncing off at this point? I've heard the same illustrations from pastor probably 20 times. Okay. Every once in a while, he'll kick out one you hadn't heard before. Right? It's the spirit of it. What, where's your spirit when you walk in there? I tell you, one of the things that I as a 
I, I challenge myself on this, especially with guest pastors. Keep eye contact with them and smile. <laughs> I've taught in there. I've never stood on that podium to preach, thankfully, yet. And, uh, you know, um, I can't imagine that burden standing up there. But I have taught in the sanctuary with, with a large group. And when you look out there, I'm, I'm looking at faces. I'm always looking at faces. And that's how I judge whether I'm kind of connecting. And it, when I do see somebody asleep, it's a kind of a letdown. I'm like, man. Or if I see, I'll say something and I see somebody go, okay. They're thinking about it. Good. Thought-provoking. Or I'll see them and they'll be like, I'm like, what did I say? Did I say something wrong? When you're up there and you're, you're looking out amongst you read these things from people and it may have nothing to do with anything but try to maintain an eye contact and a smile because it does so much for the speaker or the preacher yeah did I say something wrong uh, yeah I, smaller groups maybe but yeah I mean it's so to keep that spirit, be a spirit lifting to them too. Verse 3, remember therefore how thou hast received and heard and behold fast and repent. Alright, so be watchful for the things that are doing good. Build those things up. And what's he say in verse 3? And repent. There's a remnant with you. That's the reason I haven't totally just written this church off. There's a remnant. How come he hasn't came back yet? Because there's a remnant. There's a remnant still throughout the world that has a right spirit. They're seeing people saved. Their spirit's right, and they're focused on him. That's the reason he hasn't came back yet. There's still a remnant, and he's given people a chance, right? Even as we look through the news and everything and we see all this going on and it could happen at any moment, but there's still that remnant going on. So he's saying, repent. Get it right. You know your doctrine's right. Your statements of belief are right. Just repent and get focus on me again. The reason you're here, the... the, the, the Bring the holiness back in to the church and the reverence. Then he goes briefly, he says in verses 4, Thou hast a few names even in Sardis which not defiled their garments. There's people there that are doing it correctly. And they shall walk with me in white. These people, they're overcomers. What did we teach in, uh, in John's epistles when we talked about overcomers we talked about those were believers that were going to overcome the world they're going to make it to the end he's saying these people are overcomers and they shall walk with me in white for they are worthy he that overcometh the same shall be clothed in white raiment and I will not blot out his name out of the book of life but I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. Now, all the studying I did, 
everybody got to this verse and they like stopped and they said this is the point that causes the greatest confusion out of these verses it says right here i will not blot out his name out of the book of life and you people read that and they go does that mean he does does it, does it say that he's going to blot names out of the book of life no it's not what it says because i'm not going to blot your name out of the book of life you're overcomers you're believers you're, you're you're, you can't have your name blotted out of the book of life. He's not saying that he's going to do that. He's given a, a reassurance of salvation to those that are saved to say, you're going to have to overcome things. At times, you're going to have to repent from things. And I'm not going to block you out. You're mine. And you're always going to be mine. And I'll confess your name before my Father and before His angels when that time comes. So, you know, when we look at the church of Sardis, just like all these churches, man, you can look around today and we could, we could talk about this ongoing, about, you know, the cultural bringing in to these churches and dead churches. and I believe it can happen very quickly. I don't think it's necessarily a long process. Maybe it, it could be, but today with the way media and social media, this, this downgrade could happen very quickly if, if we're not a prayerful church, if our spirit is not constantly asking, are we doing the things we're doing for Him? For Him. Brother Bunny, you want to say a prayer and release us?